be advised, Blue Rose Task Force is filled with secrets and spoilers. Task Force podcast, where we look deeply into Twin Peaks as a whole, usually one episode at a time, but today we're doing a mailbag episode. And we're still going to be using the full scope of the show Twin Peaks and all its official media. We don't use the word canon, but we consider all official releases important because Lynch and Frost have approved their presence. And we welcome all input into the collective consciousness that is the Twin Peaks community and wider universe, and especially in episodes like today. If for some reason you're checking us out right now for the very first time in a mailbag episode, this podcast is usually a watch-along podcast for those who've seen all of Twin Peaks, including the third season, which we will consider as we go along. So there's going to be spoilers from the very first minute of Twin Peaks that we saw in 1990 all the way through the last books that we read of Twin Peaks in 2017. And we're going to start this first mailbag episode from the period of January, the middle of January, then January 20th, David Lynch's birthday. We, um, we accidentally synced that up with our first episode release, and we're going to go all the way through till middle of March, which is when we're recording this episode. I figured I'd probably start out with a um, a DM that we got from Agent Ivy, who's been around in um, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, she says, I've been meaning to send you a quick note, and I'm finally doing it. Your work is fantastic. I'm loving your pod and have listened to the first three episodes over twice. I appreciate it so much. As much as I love the Twin Peaks universe and have watched, listened, read, and talked about it, I find that I am challenged reaching my own theories or understanding, and your pod is feeding that part in a very meaningful way. I love all the pods that are fun and sometimes silly, but yours scratches my intellectual itch, and I'm so grateful for it. And, I mean, first of all, I really appreciate you saying that, Ivy. And, um, you know, thank you. Um, and it kind of sums up, in general, like why why I started this in the first place. I mean, you know, bef before L, I kind of had an idea that this could be what Sparkwood and 21 used to be before, um, before season three started. Cause, uh, M and Steve, uh, over at the, uh, no ship network, they put together a spoiler cast, which was, I mean, at the time it was the only weekly up, uh, it was the only weekly Twin Peaks uh, podcast that would cover the entire series without worrying about, you know, like, oh, are we getting new viewers? Because um, I, I think it's absolutely necessary to be able to talk freely about anything that could possibly be happening in in Twin Peaks as a whole, just to get at the meat of the thing, as opposed to, and, you know, I do, I do absolutely believe that there's a space for, you know, um, watching along for the very first time. It's just, you know, there's a lot of shows doing that very well. 
and I didn't really see any point in um, in replicating that sort of thing <laughs> about Twin Peaks, especially when um, the shoes no no ship network left uh, still hasn't really been filled since the series ended in 2017. I figure what I'll do in this first mailbag episode is um, go through kind of, you know, by, by each social media area. Um, um, we got a handful of things in Facebook um, because we post in a couple of the Twin Peaks groups. And um, I'm just going to read a little bit of an interaction that I had with, with Pam Terezak over at the, um, at the uh, <laughs> Twin Peaks Between Two Worlds Facebook group. And uh, I didn't find them until like right after the series was over when I was working through my electricity nexus stuff over at uh, 25YL. And um, yeah, so like it, it was, um, it's, it's nice to have an area where you can kind of like throw your ideas off each other and, um, you know, get to, get to, you know, deeper points. Um, with like, you know, like, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, but between two worlds, Facebook group is always a positive place to go to. And, um, it's, it's particularly good at digging into things. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, um, uh, Pam, uh, Pamela is one of their, uh, moderators from, you know, for as long as I've been around there. And this is in relation to how, um, I've said the twin peaks kind of softens Albert. Um, she says, I wanted to point out that you mentioned that Albert was softened through his time in Twin Peaks. Albert needed no softening. He was already softened before Twin Peaks. After all, a man with a warm heart checks on his friend's health like Albert did for Jeffries. A soft-hearted man bears and accepts Cooper's eccentricity. Which is, I mean, I I do agree with that overall, but what i've what i've said to pam too is that like it's not necessarily that albert was a softened character um i tend my my approach to this is that i'm not going to talk about fire walk with me as if it was like a fact of record per se because it's it's very the, there's a school of thought that um that fire walk with me is a thing that is more of a sequel and it's reframing everything from twin peaks through, through a filter. So like, like everything we learned about, um, season seasons one and two of twin peaks could possibly be rewritten by Firewalk with me. So I, um, I tend to think of it. I, I tend to think of twin peaks through its production order. And that um, while Fire Walk With Me does have details from uh, before, uh, before Twin Peaks, I also, I don't want to overweight it. How I answered Pam in that thread is, I think I was framing my word choice by what kind of character he was when he was created. And the Engels monologue was literally written to make him bearable in a long-term way for viewers who who they expected could tire of the insult-spewing vitriol toward the characters. But also, he had zero patience for the town at all, yet he was able to change his tune towards it despite valid early concerns. 
I'll be interested to hear what you think of that. Uh, think uh, to hear what you think I make of him when I discuss the Rathborn directed episode. And Pam replies, well, we need to go back chronologically to fire walk with me. That's a consideration. He's a total sweetheart in that. So as it's chronologically earlier, he didn't need softening. So we, we kind of went back and forth, uh, figuring out our different points of view on this. And I absolutely do understand what Pam's saying. And, um, I think in general, like he basically comes to Twin Peaks assuming that these people are trying to hide the truth from him. You know, it's like he comes in fighting because these people are instead, you know, they, they want to bury the body. They want to bury it as quickly as humanly possible. And, um, you know, get on with their life, you know, and, and, um, I've said it before in the episodes, like there's this sort of fog that comes over twin peaks that makes it really easy to look away from the tough stuff. And I kind of feel like he's fighting against that, but he also comes in, um, assuming that like everybody's brainwashed by this fog or something like that, because he doesn't treat people like people for, um, quite some time you know really up until the the bob engels written episode where he talks about how he's in with uh, gandhi and king and all that so while i loved a theory craft and everything i always try to base it at least a little bit in what the production history started as now we did get one email from mike puskus i'm not exactly sure if i pronounced that right <laughs> and uh you know sorry to to well to pamela too really and um and mike if i've mispronounced your name a little bit i'm sorry and uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get into mike's email and um we'll see what we make of it um my dystopian brothers and sisters, firstly, the usual glad handling of this most precious slice of the human condition and the great work you guys do with both 25YL and the Blue Rose podcast. Pleasantries aside, let's get down to, to oh yeah, <clears throat> pleasantries aside, let's get down to tax, shall we? Our world has more recently de-evolved, as Lynch so aptly put it succinctly, into the darker abyss of consumable violence that and never before has the show's premise and conscious outlook reflected this in the emergence of the metaverse, the metahuman, and the transhuman agenda. I have recently taken all my Black Mirror, What Lies Beneath, Mirror podcast episodes and put them on Anchor, Spotify, Syndication for the world to consume from a, uh, from a completely fresh perspective. I was motivated to do this at the tail of 2020 when we first has, has the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, which brought Lynch's infamous Fire Walk With Me adage out of the eighth sphere Luciferian timeline and into the zero point of human consciousness. I think it worthy of all of us dedicated peakies to come to them, uh, to come at the metaphorm of this work from a completely new and somewhat millennial focused POV, as there are thousands of new curiosities to observe as our planet too has evolved in its conscious expression, thoughts, blessings, and love, Mike. So, yeah, I um, I'm not entirely sure how how deep into the whole metaverse uh, sort of thing, um, you all go, but I tend to, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I I think that art basically reflects life at us, um, 
and gives us conversations that we are willing to um to deal with at the time it's kind of like how um it's kind of like how in 1990 um uh twin peaks was really good at introducing denise bryson to us even though we didn't have a language for um you know, being trans at all. I mean, you know, I, I, I believe uh, transvestite was the, the closest word we had. And I'm sorry, that's a, it's a really ugly word, but like, that's about as close as the Midwest came to having any language to speak of. And, um, also at the time, uh, Piper Laurie was lauded by pretty much everybody for being able to portray a character like Tojimura. So I, I understand that like art has to approach people as they're ready to hear things. Um, if you happen to be ready for something like a metaphorm or uh, transhumanism or whatever, I mean, you know, more, more power to you. I am not there. Um, but I tend to think that um, what, what I, what I see out of Mike's email is um how it's sort of reflecting how David Lynch sees things through this uni, un, the the unified field, um, like where he goes fishing for his ideas and everything, and why he meditates as much as he does. And um, I tend to see it as like there actually is a level of um, spiritual, um, you know, a, a level that like our spirit side can interact with and and see. So I think. Um, that that's about as close as I would get to here. But if you if you're interested in the angle, I mean, it sounds like his Black Mirror podcast will um, will be an interesting thing for you to uh, to enjoy. So I guess it's worth taking a look at. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for writing in. And um, if anybody wants to write an old fashioned email, yeah, <laughs> who knew that would ever be old fashioned? Um, it's um it's at blue rose task force podcast at gmail.com now i know a lot of people are on instagram right now and that there's like this big huge um community of i mean if nothing else like twin peaks mashup memes and uh <laughs> you know there's a handful of podcasts out there that have a really solid conversation going over there too and i sure wouldn't mind it but um what comes naturally to me is twitter if you can believe it um I, um, I've got a few, um, I, I've got a few polls that I'm going to talk to about that. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to read based on, um, responses to each episode as I post them. First of all, Eli Redman, she, um, she said after the first, um, after our pilot episode where me and Elle, uh, spoke about the pilot, she said, great work, you two. A few things, John, you should get your mom on the podcast and interview her about her first viewing of Twin Peaks. I too watched from the very beginning. Thanks for talking more about Johnny Horn. That headdress was pretty fake Chinese thing. Uh, and the, you know, like just the, the stuff you, uh, could buy from overseas that really wasn't made very well at the time. Um, so I, I basically told her that, yeah, my mom, she's not really, <laughs> she's not really ready to talk about Twin Peaks again. Like she, um, she remembers it, but like only, only in this kind of hazy way, you know, it's like, she really liked it at the time, but, um, you know, it, it didn't really, um, imprint on her like it did with me, but yeah, she really did watch every single episode live and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 
kind of put me in the direction that I am too. So thanks again, mom. <laughs> so on the last day of January, I decided to start doing polls every once in a while. And, um, the first thing I did was most forgotten twin peaks character. And, um, you know, think about them and find out if you, uh, if you remember who they are either. Um, we have Gwen Moran, Ernie Niles, Malcolm Sloan, and Tim Pinkle. So Gwen Moran is Lucy's sister played by Catherine Wilhoyt, uh, for, I believe two episodes coming up in, um, in the, uh, in the uh, mid area of Twin Peaks, like right before the right before or right after the murder is solved. I can't even place that right now. <laughs> I believe it's right after. And Ernie Niles is the um, the stepfather of Norma Jennings, who is married to Vivian Niles. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, Vivian Smythe, uh, maiden name. Um, and, um, you know, he comes in and uh, has a whole bunch of misadventures with Hank and gets roped into the Jacques Renault investigation as a plant. Um, yeah, he, he, you know, he's kind of kind of sweaty. Um, yeah. And then Malcolm Sloan is the uh, brother slash lover of Evelyn Marsh, who everybody absolutely loves from uh, from the uh, the James subplot where he leaves town. And Tim Pinkle is the guy who. um uh, you know, uh, David Landers, Squiggy from uh, Laverne and Shirley. He um, he's out and about town as an insurance salesman for um, uh, by, uh, yeah, for Leo's health equipment, and um, also he uh, manages the uh, the Twin Peaks uh, Miss Twin Peaks uh, competition this year as a choreographer. Yeah, so um, Gwen and Malcolm won that one. <laughs> so yeah, it's um. It's going to be fun to shout out to all these like under <laughs> under talked about characters and, um, you know, whether they actually do fit into the whole thing or not. So I started with that with that softball of a question. And then I go into <laughs> I go into this one strongest part of Twin Peaks. And then I say season one, season two, Firewalk with me or Twin Peaks 2017. And, uh, <laughs> yes, Sneaky McDave, um, he, uh, he kind of put it as succinctly as possible. This is incredibly difficult. <laughs> uh, D uh, Dominic Pillai said, this is a very difficult season. One has my favorite scene and the return has my favorite episode. So I guess it would be out of those two, but I can't bear to choose. And I think it's, it's gotten a lot of responses like that. Um, <laughs> Fidel Castro-Zedica from the F Sobriety Podcast, he says, this is the toughest choice since that time Meryl Streep has had to decide whether or not to star in the movie Sophie's Choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, um, uh, who is this? Um, Twin Peaks Dirtbag says, strongest part of the return are the best are the best of the entirety that said season one is perfectly built and the most consistently strong element of the entirety i picked the return because it leaned all the way the fuck in so yeah it's it's been a lot of that kind of thing where um yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, Judy Shelfant-Germain <laughs> uh, says, I think I'm going to pick Fire Walk with me. Even though season one and two and The Return were life-changing for me, they each have flaws, in my opinion. But I love all of Fire Walk with me. It's an ode to Laura's strength and agency and Shirley's finest performance, and it ties the whole thing together. 
And um, I think everybody has very strong points, but um, I'd have to say that uh, uh, Judy Chalfant Tremont would probably end up uh, enjoying next week's episode talking about the secret diary because uh, it's um, it's kind of leaning in that territory for sure. Um, as far as what everybody thought entirely, uh, season one went out over. Um, uh, Twin Peaks uh, 2017 by 2%. It won 34% of the vote. Uh, season 2 got kind of kicked around at only 10%, and Fire Walk With Me got 24%. So it's interesting. I, I like seeing where people are at with Twin Peaks and where you're coming from uh, as far as like um, what your main focus is. And it's kind of telling like which one you end up liking best as far as uh, you know what what you come to Twin Peaks for in a lot of ways. I ended up throwing out another kind of a softball with preferred Twin Peaks scenes or uh, Twin Pe- uh, preferred Twin Peaks scene. So out of these four, which one would you most prefer? We've got tea at the log lady's cabin, poetry at Harold's place, supper club at the Haywards and Audrey gets a job at Jack's. And, 61% of everybody chose tea at log lady's cabin. And I mean, there's, how can you really argue with that? I mean, Margaret's, <laughs> Margaret's very close to the center of what's going on in twin peaks. And, um, uh, twin peaks Tarot basically put it together and said, I don't think I'd want to leave Margaret's house ever. And, um, I responded back. I suspect not if nothing else for the sugar cookies. So yeah, it works on a lot of levels that place. I see why it's a favorite. A really interesting uh, response was when I when I posted most resonant Twin Peaks symbol, and I chose mirror, owl ring, coffee, ceiling fan. So, um, yeah, there were there were a lot of people. Uh, Rick says, you know, this is tough. I chose the mirror as the deepest semblance, partially biased on account of wrapping up a good marriage by Stephen King. Darcy's description of reflections parallels Lynch's visions quite well. Um, uh, Melissa N had um, all of these, also a dictaphone, but I chose Alring because this attribute is only in Twin Peaks, if I'm not mistaken, which is a really good angle on how to choose this one. Um, yeah, all, uh, Josh Steen said it probably the closest uh, to how I thought of it when I was picking these things in the first place. He says, hmm, this is tough. I think all four are actually poignant, but all are such strong imagery. I think they are all equal. So, yeah, I, I put it out to you guys. <laughs> Joel Kananen put out, cigarette always sticks out for me. Just a ton of excellent and meaningful choices. So, yeah, like there's um, there's a few of them. You know, Dictaphone was already mentioned. The cigarette, like there, uh, the uh, the traffic light was one that made a lot of sense too. That that one uh, was uh, recommended by a number of people, including Richard Gold. Um, yeah, so uh, he he said none of the above for me. I've always loved the lone traffic light swaying in the wind at night, and uh, yeah. I mean, that that was a very solid symbol to choose. I mean, Sparkwood and 21 had that as their um, as their uh, podcast uh, avatar icon, whatever you call it, um, for uh, for their first part of the run. So, yeah, I mean, the traffic light would have been a really good choice, too. As far as what ended up winning um, by two percent again over the owl ring. Uh, well, OK, uh, mirror came in at two percent which i guess it was because it was a little too abstract um then there was coffee at 30 percent 
then Owlring at 33%, and Ceiling Fan took it with 35%. So yeah, that that was that that's that made me think about it too. Like why why it turned out the way it did. And uh yeah, I mean the the portal of electricity into the house, the um the meaning that it covers up. I mean, there's a lot of importance with that ceiling fan. And I think honestly, it's probably the first um the first sign of metaphysical um anything's in Twin Peaks um as far as um where it shows up in the pilot. And I know Mary Reber had a nice uh <laughs> a nice moment when I posted the uh the the Star Picks card. Uh, the um the old trading card set from ninety one um actually gave ceiling fan a card of its own. So a piece of Mary's house is on a trading card in Twin Peaks. I did another weird question or like unanswerable question, I should say. Uh the most or most iconic Twin Peaks location of the four available options. And I picked the Great Northern, the Double R, the Roadhouse, and the Palmer House. And uh <laughs> yeah, uh Jeremiah from Take the Ring, he says, Dang, that's like impossible. <laughs> and that sums it up too. Cause yeah, you figure the Great Northern is one side of Twin Peaks, Double R is another, the Roadhouse, the Palmer House, like they all kind of embody one part of Twin Peaks. And uh yeah. Uh it's um but then I also chose the word iconic. So like you could look at it from, you know, not only like which side is most important of Twin Peaks, but like which which side has the most imagery to it. And that's specifically why I didn't pick the Red Room, because obviously, I mean, that's the most that's the most iconic thing in Twin Peaks. But um, here um, everybody chose the double R. Um so the Roadhouse got 8%, the Palmer House got 24%, uh, oh, the Great Northern got 20%, and then the Double R took it with 48%. So I think, you know, the the pie and the coffee and um, just the safety that Norma's Place brings. I mean, it's a, it's a refuge in the storm, basically, and that's why it was like extra, extra um, creepy that there was gunfire that got into it in um in season three all right well i appreciate everybody who um who sent in comments and um you know worked with me on <laughs> the social media to give us something to talk about here and um yeah i i would love to make this a big thing i know um you know like how how him and steve put it you know it's it's a good you know what talking about twin peaks is great but having a conversation about it and like connecting with the listeners about it is like even better. And I would love to get that happening here. Um, you know, however, however you would like to, hopefully this was fun and, um, yeah, let's see what we can build out of these mailbag episodes. I mean, we can have them come out more often too, if we get, um, more things to think about. And, you know, it doesn't have to be episode specific either. It could be, you know, <laughs> it could be however, uh, however far off or like, you know, if you've got a weird, uh, or, I mean, if you've got a, <laughs> if you've got an esoteric question about, you know, something that even happens in season three, you know, like how do, how do you think that relates to anything? You know, like it, I, I'm happy to field whatever you want to throw at me and I take it as a personal challenge to, to give you a good answer. So, uh, yeah, I, um, I thank you very much for everything. And, um, 
And uh, I think the only thing left is the sign-off. So you have been listening to the Blue Rose Task Force podcast, a production of Ruminations Radio Network and TV Obsessive Radio. If you resonate with what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review our show. And we would love to connect with you on Twitter at Blue Rose TF Pod and Instagram and Facebook at Blue Rose Task Force. You can find me at JPB underscore Little Green on Twitter and John underscore the underscore Peaky on Instagram. You can visit RuminationsRadioNetwork.com for additional great (laughs) for additional great shows such as Oh God It Hurts that's H Z as a unit of measure and Twenty Five Yards Later and um, yeah you'll probably see my excellent producer Mitch uh, somewhere out and about doing something on the network because it's his baby and. yeah, we all love working with him. He's a good he's a good producer. I appreciate you, Mitch. And if you want to be part of our monthly mailbag episodes, uh, send your burning questions and passion and feedback and whatever else to again Blue Rose Task Force Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week as we cover not episode eight, but um, it'll be the secret diary of Laura Palmer. That came out between episode or between seasons one and two of Twin Peaks. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a bear, but I'm uh, I'm getting ready for it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you as responsible a take on it as possible. So uh, yeah, take care. See you then, and uh, I'd love to hear what you think about us. Take care. Let's try.